In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today we pause to consider our mother. Her motherhood began with that greatest act of love. And months later, her motherhood came to fruition with a great deal of commotion. But let's pause to consider our mother pregnant, as it were, with her motherhood already real, and it being something of a secret. She remembers everything. She ponders everything and considers how all that is happening to her and around her and inside of her is part of God's plan. When she eventually did give birth to our Lord and Savior, it was without pain because she was conceived without original sin. When she gave birth to the church at Pentecost, similarly, there was only joy. In fact, the sting of pain was when Our Lady, at the foot of the cross, was told that she would be our mother. John the Beloved representing all of us. It's all too easy for us to think that Our Lady in these days between Ascension and Pentecost was merely waiting for something familiar. But consider how her very motherhood began at the Annunciation with the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit. And yet the Holy Spirit is preparing her now to become the mother of the apostles, the mother of the whole church. She has very, very great things to ponder. Consider how Our Lady and the apostles, after the ascension, returned to Jerusalem joyfully, St. Luke tells us in the last chapter of his gospel, and were continually blessing God in the temple. St. Luke in the Acts of the Apostles also describes this joyful group in the upper room. St. Peter addressing them, knowing that they ought to have a twelfth apostle. And so they pray for discernment, for guidance from God, and cast lots. That group which Peter is already governing numbered about 120. Named personally were the apostles. There were many women, relatives of Jesus, and his mother is mentioned by name. It's hard to imagine an image of the apostles and Mary in the upper room
that doesn't have Mary at the center of everything going on. Just as she, already familiar with the Holy Spirit, even the spouse of the Holy Spirit, had those experiences with our Lord inside of her, now the church whose sacraments flow from the side of her son's open chest, blood and water, symbolizing the sacramental life of the church. The church is real, but begins to impact the world at Pentecost with the gift of the Holy Spirit. What is that that she already knows? The power of the Holy Spirit, the reality of, of Christ's body, the unspeakable love of being transformed and overshadowed by God and the intense suffering by being rejected in a cruel world without wavering in faith, without wavering in hope. The apostles aren't even described as having fear from ascension through Pentecost. St. St. Luke describes them with joy and prayer. We can anticipate, imagine some trembling of anticipation. Maybe some anxiety that comes with knowing that a great thing is about to happen. And in their midst is Mary, with perfect faith, with an undimmed intellect, yet without perfect foreknowledge of everything that's going to happen. She is going to witness the outpouring of the Holy Spirit when the church begins to preach, when the Holy Spirit begins to change people, through the preaching of the church, when the Holy Spirit begins to sanctify people, that those who have heard the preaching of the church and believe, receive into themselves the grace of God and become dwelling places of the Holy Trinity. Very little is said of Our Lady after her being mentioned in Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1. But we know at some point during those nine days between Ascension and Pentecost, or soon thereafter, that she would have been there probably with one of the apostles acting in persona Christi, when he would say, this is my body. And she would look at her adopted son, who at that moment has become 
the minister of her true son and is holding his body, blood and soul and divinity, in his hands, the same body that dwelt inside her, loved by her, nursed by her. These days and the days follow certainly were, were anything but perfunctory, anything but ordinary for the Blessed Virgin. And aware of the, the sting when she heard those words that she would be our mother, we know that she looks down on us when she sees Christ She sees the only joy. She looks on us with love. She prays for us. She suffers with us. She suffers because of us. And we know that the only longing in our heart, our purified heart, is to see the face of the one whom she beholds in heaven, the face of the only begotten Son of God the Father. The intuit today still bears a mark that we beg the Lord not to hide his face from us. For about a hundred years, mid-1800s to the mid-1900s, the church designated the Saturday after Ascension as the Feast of Mary, Queen of Apostles. Already by the Missal of 1962, that was no longer in the calendar The brief moment that it was in the calendar for the Roman rite certainly didn't begin to draw our attention to Our Lady, her motherhood, and her queenship at this time of salvation history. St. Luke already draws our attention to her in the Acts of the Apostles. But it's a fitting moment today when we lift up in prayer our mothers and know that the one who is truly deserving of that title has been our mother since the beginning of our salvation. She has been praying for us and loving us before we even had seen her face. And so asking for that same faith and hoping to share in her joy and her beloved son, we pray to her together. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this veil of tears. Turn then, most gracious advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us. And after this our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary, pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.